0: It's not that we are lacking ideas of what we could do technologically, but it is about how we translate those ideas into market opportunities.
1: Welcome to a brand new episode of our podcast, Human and AI, Mind, Machines and the Grading Descent.
2: Thanks for tuning in again to our geeky podcast to discuss the fascinating field of AI and machine learning, corporate craziness, passion for technology and the role of humans in it. Today, we're super excited to have none other than Annemarie Grosefri with us. Anne-Marie is the Head of Research in Energy and Electronics at Siemens Technology. She's passionate about technology with a purpose along the line of collaboration, innovation and sustainability. And we are already very excited for this episode. So let's lose no more time and kick off. Anne-Marie, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you and where do we catch you today? Hi guys, I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, You're catching me in
0: my beautiful dining room here in uh, my flat in the downtown of the tech hub of uh, Munich.
1: Nice one, (laughs) there you go. Alimri, there, there seems to be some kind of a trend um, I've heard. We've recently talked to Peter, and, you know, there seems to be a branch that, like, you know, bridging the world's strategy, technology, you know, merging m- maybe both approaches, anchoring strategies and leveraging technology, right? And I guess you, you're a brilliant example of, you know, how to commute between those worlds, right? <laughs> how does it feel, actually? Like, is it is it having, like, two passports and connecting the best of it? And, or... Maybe finally, you know, coming home to industrial research?
3: Hmm,
0: now, that's a good question. I mean, certainly it doesn't feel schizophrenic, let's put it that way. Um, it, it, I've always had two hearts beating in my chest. And, uh, you know, some people say culture eats strategy for breakfast. I don't think it's quite the same with technology and strategy. So what I'm really enjoying is actually that as Siemens, and if you look at where we're, where we're headed as a company with this clear affirmation that we want to be a technology company, that we've also taken the decision to really bring strategy and technology closer together, um, not just organizationally, but also from the way how we do things. Um, so we've just now um, undergone a, a rescoping of our major corp- company or technology program, right? And I think this was certainly an extremely strategic effort. You know, we did some outside-in benchmarking, some market studies. We chatted with the colleagues from strategy, brought it really all together to then inform our technological direction. And, you know, looking at the the broader landscape beyond Siemens, I think it's so crucial that what we do technologically is somehow informed by sound reasoning and by some market validation. And that's the whole thing about technology with purpose. And we don't just invent and we don't just do things because they're cool to build. But we do them because they're very much needed, right? To mm-hmm. move us forward as a society, as a company. Mm-hmm. And so I am really enjoying being sort of a traveller here straddling these, these two universes as they're coming together.
2: Living the jet set life, so to say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the carbon neutral jet the set life. <laughs> jet set <laughs> because, <in
2: America.
0: laughs> uh, you know, I, I took over this role just at the beginning of COVID and of course we yeah. have a global team. Mm-hmm. Um, but very sadly, I must say i have I have not even made it to Austria. Um, I, we've been completely virtual for the past eighteen months. and uh, and now, for for pregnancy related reasons, now I'm grounded. Uh, mm-hmm. so it's really been an experiment in in virtual collaboration.
2: Yeah, it changed so much. And you just mentioned that you um, started your new role beginning of COVID. That's already like two, almost two years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, so you're heading the research department for energy and electronics at Siemens. So what are some of those topics or challenges that you're exploring or dealing with on a daily basis? Can you share some of your favorite use cases? Absolutely, Um, I think there are many and there's
0: much more to what we do than what the name promises. So let me give you a little bit of an overview. Um, Certainly, electronics um, is a fundamental pillar of our work. and Actually, we're now already scoping a new uh, company core technology, which is going to be called integrated circuits and electronics, because of the fundamental strategic importance of the topic of electronics for Siemens, right? Because if we're serious about bringing together the virtual and the real world—we're gonna need electronics to do this, right? Because at some fundamental level, it will be at the electronics level where these two worlds come together. So we are very much um, looking at um, the end-to-end value chain of electronics for Siemens. So starting from the design, where we have, you know, a couple of years acquired this fantastic company called Mentor Graphics, which is one of mm. the market leaders um, for um, electronics design. Um, all the way down to how we manufacture our own electronics and how we can become more efficient. And I don't need to explain to the two of you that certainly within the whole scope of electronics manufacturing, the topic of artificial intelligence and machine learning holds tremendous promise. Mm -hmm. So I'm particularly excited about really seeing how we can push the boundary forward by really taking an end-to-end approach to electronics at Siemens. Another topic that I'm very passionate about and that we've Spent considerable time in in the past months to to really get it off the ground is a much more dedicated focus around sustainability, but not sustainability as a buzzword because you know in the in the third derivative you can really make anything having to do with sustainability, right? You can say oh well um, if I if I somehow have if I build a digital twin of 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 a machine then it's somehow sustainable because I'm saving so and so much process efficiency, but but we're also really looking at what role does um, infrastructure and energy systems in the future play in helping us achieve um, the carbon neutral goals that we have set for ourselves as a society? And I think there, as a, as a technology company again, as Siemens, we have an incredible role to play in how we can use digital tools um, to really um, make the necessary technological advances. Um, in the area of um, sustainable technologies, from ener- uh, energy distribution uh, to the way how we consume energy in different factory settings. All of this will become more efficient if we're able to use the tools of digitalization. So I like to say one of our key research areas is actually the topic of digital decarbonization. right? How we can use digital tools um, to decarbonize in a more efficient and also um cost effective way for our customers because i firmly believe um there has to be a business case for sustainability right it, it, i think all the negotiations are showing it vested interests are so strong unfortunately um even though there's a clear moral case for mm-hmm. for decarbonization it, there's there's market forces which dictate it mm-hmm. and so we have to make sure that um the technologies we build um, are not just green, but also offer an economic perspective. Yeah, how do we bring these two things together if we're really serious about decarbonizing the world? Um, so we have some great teams here at Siemens working on the future of, of grids, um, mm. the future of, of building automation, all with a view to how can we make these things more efficient, more sustainable.
1: Yeah, preaching the world feasibility, desirability, and I guess uh, also a bit of uh, profitability, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stakeholders are much more broader, right, uh, to be considered than the shareholders, actually.
0: That's true. I think there's, um, you know, thinking on that is changing. Um, it's not just anymore about uh, securing shareholder value, which, of course, uh, is is still important. But, you know, take a look at BlackRock and, and Larry Fink and how the, he's driving as one of the key, um, you know, shareholders of basically all Fortune 500 companies, how he's really driving this dialogue around it goes beyond shareholder returns, or let me mm-hmm. phrase it differently. Um, shareholder returns can be more multifaceted than just economic.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Because ultimately, um, you know, we are all shareholders in, in this planet, I mm-hmm. think, in some sense. And so um, it's good that we're becoming more multidimensional in how we think about returns beyond just a purely economical aspect.
2: Do you do you think that we have to anticipate that um, in the future the market will be increasingly green? Because right now we already see that there's a shift of um, sustainability and profitability actually moving closer together, and there's like that market pressure, the pressure by shareholders that is increasing. And do you think it would be it would make sense as a company to like invest now and in maybe? adjacent markets that aren't profitable today, but might be in the mid to long-term?
0: Well, I think it, it, it behooves us as a company to have a vision about where we want to go and to always be on the lookout for new markets. And I think especially in in, in the area of sustainable technologies, we're going to see not just technological advances, but I think what we're going to see a lot in future is different business models. Yeah? Business models that that are fundamentally um, contrary to where we are today, where it's about selling products. Yeah? Um, I think uh, we will see um, as a service business models around decarbonization Maybe we may even see some sustainability as a service um, offerings around, you know, guaranteeing um, a certain. A certain climate neutrality for different companies. I think they're they're extremely, um, you know, it, it, if you look at the, the startup world, if you look at what's coming out of universities, so many brilliant young minds experimenting with how really to bring business model innovation to the topic of sustainability, um, because technology will only be one aspect. Yeah, so I think for us at Siemens, um, yes, within technology, we are looking really for what are the what are the trends? And um, what can we do with the physics no? uh, to, to move this topic forward? But it will go beyond that. I think it has to be coupled with great insights into what our customers want, what they're willing to pay for and what business models will be feasible around this. Yeah. So I think it's also my, my, my view that we as, as a technology company, we have to, um, look beyond technological innovation and also look at things like business model innovation. If I look at all these hyped companies from the Valley, right, that we like to look at so much, which of those are really driven by significant foundational advances in technology versus which of them are driven because they've got a clever business model, yeah? Yeah. So I think we have to have a lookout for both. And I think it will take both, yeah? Certainly, we need to make technological advances, be it in the areas of energy storage, be in the topic of efficient production machines be it in carbon capture technologies I mean they' our, our homework is endless almost yeah mm. um, but we are living in a market economy we will have to find ways how to make money with it so we have to always have both both sides Pretty of the coin in mind
1: When, when we talk about digitalization, and you are in the material space, right? That's that's somehow a bit of a different thing, right? So, um, material space always is a bit of the hardware heavy, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. Focus, and then we see, you know, all assets are now digital, all products are not digital, all processes sh- shall be around uh, digital. What is for you a digital material then?
0: <laughs> Actually, I I don't think the two things are contradictory at all, but um, I think they're coming together beautifully and. It actually ties back to the topic of sustainability. Um, what we're trying to do is yes, um, of course, uh, Siemens is uh, making a move towards software. Absolutely, yeah. we're making a move towards digital services because I think this is also where our customers see potential value, right? The mm. big buzzwords are data and ecosystems. Mm. But we are still living in a physical world, right? I'm sitting here at a table, I'm looking at a physical computer screen. Mm-hmm. And to understand the physics behind of how these things work will always be needed, right? Um it's not enough just to get the data from a machine if I don't understand the pressure behind it, the temperature behind it, the physical laws governing how a material is made. You know? So I think on the one hand, we will always need some basic understanding of the physics. As long as we're not yet completely gone into a virtual world where we're all just meeting as as avatars, yeah, which I think is still a long way off. That's the one thing. But what what we can even do at a a more molecular level, right? We used to do a lot of materials research in terms of how to make stronger materials. -hmm. I think in future, it will be companies that are able to actually simulate. Digital, you know, the, the, the digitally the material properties as part of this big um, buzzword around the digital twin, right? I think this is this is something we are looking at into. If if we are really trying to build digital twin of our products of our processes at the most foundational level, it will require a, a digital simulation of the physical material properties. And again, for that, I will also need. A basic understanding of, of the physics and, and the, the material science of these materials behind it. And imagine, you know, if I had a piece of software that would allow me to design a product optimized for end of life recyclability or
3: mm-hmm.
0: minimum carbon emissions. If I can simulate that already in the design phase, I can have a tremendous impact afterwards, but this will require me to understand the material properties, to have Mm. a digital twin of those material properties. And I think this is a really neat area that we're looking um, more deeply into and which is just getting started and which is infinitely complex because, um, you know, how many many elements are there in the periodic table? I mean, you know, Mm. you can take it to the, the power of the infinite in terms of what it means to simulate all these different properties. But you have got to start somewhere. And I think um, from, from really wanting to have an end-to-end digital twin of a product, of a process, of a production, it starts with also being able to grab, grasp digitally the material product.
1: Yeah, pretty awesome. That's that's a hot turf, man. Ah. I mean, you're you're actually in 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 a super technology space, right? Because if I if I you know from a previous collaboration and and also ongoing collaboration, right? You have power electronics design. You have hardware. You do the battery intelligence. You do the additive manufacturing which was were, were super excited part of it and uh, so awesome, right? How do you see then the role of AI in machine learning in that space, right? And actually in the, what it's a big word, right? Now the consultants comes in here, transformation, right, of, mm-hmm. of energy and electronics industry. But I guess it is like a bit of a, you know, mindset, but also technology-wise a transformation.
0: I see the role of AI as, in a way, as a great simplifier. Um, because take the topic of digital materials that I just mentioned. Mm. With the number of combinations possible, the human brain will never be able in one lifetime mm. to calculate through all the different possible combinations that I would need to take account of. Right, And I think this is where the power of, of machine learning, of artificial intelligence really can come in when we have these gigantic sets of data, unstructured um, to really help us streamline and identify um, where the real value is by somehow coming up with an intuitive, clever algorithm, and um, to help us really um, sort the, uh, the the important stuff from from the distractions. And and so I really think um, and now it's getting almost philosophical, right? It's um, uh, it, how much what what is really artificial intelligence right i mean is it is is the artificial intelligence always as good as only as good as the 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 person who designed the algorithm behind it right like what what actually um does or does it have a life of its own do we actually understand when we when we write this piece of code always what it will do or does it actually at some point have the ability to 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 evolve further on its own and to make its own recommendations so i think
3: We're
0: just getting started, really, in in, in terms of what is possible with Mm -hmm. these technologies. But um, I think um, just looking at um, the amount of of data we have, we will not be able to turn any of that into value in a a reasonable time space without recoursing to to, to artificial Mm -hmm. intelligence and machine learning.
1: Yeah, true. I was I was deeply um, actually um, impressed by also obviously in, uh, by DeepMind's alpha fold and I think mm-hmm. that's you know that the protein folding mm-hmm. um, so that that shows somehow the pair, you know that the exploitation of machine learning and, and reinforcement in these kinds of aspects on, on tackling vital aspects of the barrel of the materials basically or in uh, complex you know molecules um uh, which which is only doable uh, through technology and uh, partly and that's some super passionate machine learning aspect obviously yes but um speaking of a bit of the ITOT thing right mm-hmm. so as uh, in siemens in, you mentioned it and, and motivated already right hardware side is is um super important and and it's the somehow the usp which which is clear is you know having both competences somehow mm-hmm. together you know hardware side and software side so which nowadays it's called a bit of the it ot right mm-hmm. um integration and uh, and thus um we we have a, a broad experience in in the ot world and i think we have awesome colleagues uh, around us um it is still still a bit like softer competences right uh, in in the large scale is, st- is still a bit of a, a challenge we we're getting we're moving faster not at a scale as i guess we want to mm-hmm. have it but we we're getting there um how do you see then you know those kinds of which are it-centric like a bit of the competitive edge right to the other tech teams um where do you think we need to be in place more focus in order to stay competitive on those kinds of new players in the market?
0: I think we need to have a pretty good idea of where we want to play and what really differentiates us. Um, Mm. And what we do ourselves versus where we partner strategically.
3: Um, Mm. And
0: uh, I mean, I think there's a reason why we're seeing a lot of uh, scalable business models in a B2C context, because um, the B2C world is much more standardized than the B2B world, and things scale much more easily, right? Um, mm-hmm. The 5 billion Facebook users, or let, the, let it be 2 billion, um, it, 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 there's a lot more homogeneous, in some sense, data point. Mm-hmm. Than um, the machines that we're seeing on a, on a factory level, which are highly individual, and which depending on which sector they're using, are producing data that, that are not nearly as streamlined. So, um, so I think we we're gonna yes, we will we will need to uh, I think shore up our 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 digital skills, especially on I think on 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 for 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 our people. Um, uh that, that that'll be crucial, um, uh, because as as we're undergoing this transformation, um, I think the the real capital that we have is 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 the people who are driving our innovations forward, and how 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 well are they equipped to to operate in this new environment? Yeah, to to understand these new business models, um, to understand the customer pain points, and. What, um, what do they need to understand on machine learning, on, on AI, on cybersecurity, et cetera? So I think, um, for me, it's, it's a real strategic imperative as a company that, that we're really continually learning and, and in some sense upgrading, um, upgrading the skills of, of our mm-hmm. entire population, so to speak. Um, because that'll ensure, I think, um, that, 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 that's a necessary condition to remain competitive in, in this space.
2: Yeah. Um, what you just said also um, touches upon the next question, because uh, which is about ambidexterity, because isn't it sometimes also like balancing the tightrope walk? On um, I mean, the one side you have... Um, you have your employees, you have your um, strengths also as a company, and uh, maybe it sometimes makes sense to like continue strengthening those. But on the other hand, you also want to be um, ready for the future, for um, everything that is coming up. So you will want to explore. Um, so how do you approach this race between exploitation and exploration of new mm. opportunities in your team?
0: Yeah, we try, we try to do both without getting lost. Um, and I think this is, this is the real struggle, right? Um, because critical voices will also say, well, you know, what, what disruptive innovations have come from T and from, from Mm -hmm. Siemens in in the last 50 years, right? Has there really been some, some industry disruptions that, that we've done? Um, and I think the, the, the key is, um, the key is empowering your teams to to have a mindset to be open to both. Um, so yes, I think there's a lot to be said um, for incrementally moving topics forward. Um, because if we didn't do that, we would have absolutely no money to play with <laughs> for the more disruptive things, right? Um, so I think it's about appreciating both. And the importance of both and also signaling that to the teams that yes, whilst maybe there seems to be more, more need and more value placed on being super fast, being super agile, you know, I'm using all these buzzwords intentionally here and and the rest is kind of the boring stuff, but I really think it needs both and both need to be equally appreciated. And, um, and the, the question is, you know, can everyone do both? Um or are there pockets in the company where we really should be focusing more on the on disruption? And are there other pockets um that are more dedicated to, to as you call it the, the, the exploitation? Yeah, I think in the end, um coming back to your original question, really, it has to be about the company strategy, you know. Mm-hmm. Do we have a clear vision on where we are focused on exploitation? And, and and even more so, how long we will be able to exploit before mm-hmm. what we're trying to exploit actually is fundamentally disrupted, right? So I think this is where it's so important that as a, as a company, we have um, um, a clear view as as best as we can of the future disruptions coming to where we are currently exploiting. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Because that, that I think that the, the worst case scenario is that you plan on continuing to exploit uh, for a number of years and you're not seeing the meteor coming <laughs> that is that yeah. is going to hit you. Um, and so uh, you've got to be able to have both in mind and to have uh, to have the freedom as, as a company um, and I think also the, the fearlessness to say, yes, I'm going to exploit here and I'm purposely going to do some things that may actually... Um, in the end, perhaps undermine eventually what I'm trying to exploit, right? Um, but I'm going to do it because I'd rather have it be me than have it be someone else. But I think that takes a lot of courage. Um, that's not very palatable um, to all the people who are, who are working in the core business. And so I think these are really some of the challenges um, also for, for our managing board about how, how they place priorities and how they steer the company, having having that constant trade-off.
3: Um, in these
1: two dimensions, yeah, well, put I'm a, a huge fan of uh, Alex ostoval's actually strategy other thing he He got this invictable company uh, book out there and and you know differentiate between explore and exploit and say, so like you know explore as a creating new opportunities in research space, right uh, one essential pillar is time box, you know. If, mm-hmm. you, if you should there's to try new you have to time box otherwise you're just losing it and exploit is then traditional KPIs which needs a bit more bounded you know output uh, aspects but the exploration station is needs to be you know let's let's explore the technology and as for opportunity or businesses in all different dimensions but it has to be time boxed otherwise you get nowhere um, in this mm-hmm. sense. Uh, that's kind of a super nice framework. explore and exploit is also something right I guess you know as we grow more digital, you know, um, more and more cyber comes into the play, and especially cyber sec a security um, you now comes into the play. How do you how do you see that? And is that a thing in the material space and electronic space as well? Like, per oh, default, absolutely! You
0: know, I think it's embedded. It's it's, <laughs> yeah? it's embedded. I think it's the yeah. license to operate. I mean, um, yeah. if if we're saying electronics is sort of the connector between mm. the physical and and the virtual then we better make sure that it's not hackable
1: <laughs> so it's a trusty um, on chips is uh, it absolutely <laughs> i mean um
0: okay. for sure um okay. i mean again you know making the comparison here to the to the b2c space everyone seems to be perfectly fine sharing their most intimate data um on 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 facebook about whatever um even you know photos of their newborns and etc um mm. The same shareability willingness to share information is non-existent in the industrial space because it's highly, highly sensitive, right? I mean, and not, not just because we're perhaps moving in the defense industry or anything, but a standard, you know, a standard industrial production plant is, um, just imagine if it's, if it's um, down by one or two minutes, the economic damage that is done by such mm-hmm. an outage, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're dealing in the whole B two B space with extremely sensitive, sensitive data on the whole, mm-hmm. which comes down to trust. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So I think um, this will be. Um, I, I don't even think it'll be a key differentiator. I think, as I said, it's a license to operate. If you, as a company, are not able to firmly convince your customers of the utmost integrity of their data and yeah? mm-hmm. their their most precious. <laughs> Um, vitals they will never want to collaborate with you um and we're seeing right with the amount um if, if you just uh, are looking in in a daily news report industrial espionage um hacker attacks state-based actors um we had this nice um, um industrial spyware case now that that was around um uh, mm. made made the news a couple of months ago um so i think this topic uh I expect it to be a domineering topic um, over the next years, um, and it'll be fundamental. It'll be fundamental to to driving me forward this ITOT integration.
2: Will be data security. Will be trust. Um, mm. Absolutely true. Um, a lot of what you're just like saying in this short conversation um, actually shows how broad your knowledge is in this field, and that you like know a lot about very different fields. Um, but how do you do that, Anne-Marie? How do you cre- keep your innovative and creative spirit up? How do you stay up to date uh, and on top of the research trends, for instance, in the field of AI? Do you have some tips and tricks? <laughs> Well, um, I guess
0: I'm flattered um, that uh, that um, my uh, my high level <laughs> opinions um, <laughs> make me make me a qualified uh, participant um, of this discussion. You no, know, I think um, you know there's something to do with natural curiosity. Um, I think uh, um, you know being being the mother of a young child, um, uh, you learn that you always need to have answers you now because the questions you're hit with. <laughs> <laughs> they're beyond your wildest imagination so um there's something to be said for for just keeping up your own curiosity and 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 trying to to just um stay interested and and actually you know I'm gonna out myself now I I don't do too much on social media all this Twitter and LinkedIn and, and Facebook and Instagram stuff because I find the the you know the, the quality of the information is is um, it varies, and, and and so I I try to um, to just be curious in conversations. I think we have so many fascinating people at, at Siemens who bring so much depth um, to what they do. So I think this is this is one great source of information, um, and, and and really just engaging and listening, um, I think is is uh, worth um, so much more than than seeing what's out there in in your little Twitter bubble. Um, and, and I, I try to read very broadly in the, in the time that I have. Um, and not just tech, tech magazines, you know, the technology review, but, um, The Economist, literature, um, biographies, I think, um, just to, to get as many influences as possible and to have as many different angles in my work. Um, because if I were just a technologist looking at my job, I think I wouldn't be doing it justice, right? It would be very one-dimensional. And so I think it's extremely important um, to keep uh, as, as, as broad as possible um, in, in terms of who influences you, in terms of where you draw your inspiration from. Um, and and I always found that for me it's very easy to get excited about things. Um, whether it's a movie, whether it's a book, whether it's a new technology, I like to um, I can get lost in it for, for a couple of hours. And so, um, it's, it's, uh, the, the real challenge is not to do that with too many things because then you, <laughs> um, very little time remains for, for, for other stuff. But I think the, the important thing is just to, at, at least for me, it's always been not to be too narrow, but to, if something strikes your fancy, to read up on it, to follow up on it, um, even if it's not directly related because somehow, a certain aspect of it will will you know help shape who you are and will you will you will be able to glean something out of every conversation that you have out of everything you read and and that's kind of what how how i operate
2: already touched upon a lot about the sustainability aspect especially in technology Um, but i want to go back once again because i thought it was um, super inspiring and insightful to talk with you about that Um, so you also mentioned the um, un climate change conference that is taking place right now and a lot about technology with purpose and actually you were like the the technology with purpose expert um right because you worked um as you, when you started at Siemens, you started your career actually in the sustainability office and now you're um, in, at Siemens Technology, which is super cool. Um, how has the rise of sustainability um, in the overall awareness actually um, influence your research activities? So how is that reflected in hmm. what you're doing?
0: I think a, I want to say a great deal. And also I want to say that... Um, you know, when I took over at at, at Research in Energy and Electronics, there was already a great team of people who are passionate about sustainability, about sustainable energy technologies working. And so it would be very wrong of me to claim that by me going there, now we've suddenly seen the light and are going to work on sustainable technologies. But I think actually um, for a long time, Siemens has been has been a visionary leader when it comes to technologies around, you know, climate change, climate resilience, climate mitigation, um, and I think the real challenge in it for for us lies, in, again, a technology not in being able to invent the most sustainable technologies. Um, if you give people money, they will invent whatever you want. Yeah, I think the real challenge for us lies in. We have these great ideas around, for example, how you know grids could operate in the future, and how they could become more intelligent, how we can um, make them much more effective. But how do we find a business case behind it? How do we turn that into a business for Siemens? And I think this is this to me is the, the greatest challenge I still see um, around this topic of sustainable technologies. It's not that we are lacking ideas of what we could do technologically. But it is about how we translate those ideas into market opportunities and into economic cases for our customers. And I think this is where we need to focus on. How do we bring those to the market and the technologies together? Yeah? And I think this is what we've really been working on. And I think, I'm seeing a lot more collaboration also between T and our business units in the quest around this, um, these ideas for new business models, you know, I think, which is, which is very much the direction we need to go in.
2: And But how, how can we get faster and better in, in finding those business models and finding maybe those those use cases? Um, I read a lot about uh, companies like Microsoft and Google who are having the, those huge AI for good campaigns, investing hundred millions dollars there um, to explore um, use cases that don't really just seem profitable, like um, saving the snow leopard from extinction or something. But maybe maybe those like the exploration activities in those fields could be a first step of um, exploring and uh, maybe also finding then eventually in the mid or long term um, profitable use cases there do you think that this could be also a way for Siemens like having initiatives like that I think
0: um, what we need to do as Siemens is to to leverage the world beyond us um, much more effectively so we recently had um, this the Tech for Sustainability campaign, for example, which you know it was mm. just a first idea. Um But it, I said in my pitch there, and I firmly believe it. You know that the challenge we are up to with the topic of decarbonization is so significant; it will not be solved by a single company, it will not be solved by a single state actor, it won't be solved by a single foundation. Yeah, you know, it, it it needs all of us together and and. The universities of this world as well. So I think you know a company as Siemens, which is so present globally, I think our role can really be in in this topic to bring people together, yeah, mm. to 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 source the best ideas we don't necessarily need to have them in-house, right? Um I think the answer will be in bringing those who have the best ideas um, you know together. And, and making something out of it. So I think that the topic of open innovation, of innovation challenges, of, um, interdisciplinary, um, teams coming together that are staffed by customers, by universities, by, by Siemens employees, um, working on, on, on challenges. I think that's the way forward. Yeah. Um, I am a firm believer that, um, in, in the end, <laughs> sounds cheesy, but in the end, you know, <laughs> Working as a team with, again, these different perspectives um, can be really inspirational and, and can really um, help you turn a corner when you seem to be stuck somewhere. So it's about connecting people, bringing the best minds together in in the search for not just what is technologically possible, but again, um, what what can be turned into into market offering. And certainly, um, politics will have to play a role here as well, right? Um, um, in, in how we incentivize and how we structure our markets and how we price carbon, for example. So I think also here, um, as a global company and certainly one with a big footprint in Germany, I think, and now this is getting political, I think we as Siemens can certainly, um, I think take also firm positions on where we stand on some of these issues, um, uh, to, to drive the debate and, and, and to pull our weight here.
2: Very cool opinion. Thanks for sharing. Um, now we want to move from technology and politics and innovation to more um, to a more personal part. So it actually goes without saying that you act as a role model for many women out there as you inspire them to start a career in tech or science. But who was actually your role model at the time that you? That, that encouraged you to follow this path, and what were some difficulties arising along the way? Yeah. <laughs> so this is a difficult question. And
0: I know uh, previously, I think on this question, I, I, I say things like, oh, it's Marie Curie, right, which is an obvious go-to when you're a young woman in in, in the end, actually, we probably don't even know who the most truly inspirational people of this world are because we don't know them because um, their stories are not spoken of, right? It's probably some, you know, young mother in Africa who's trying to, uh, I don't know, do sustainable farming to raise her family. It's
3: mm.
0: young tech pioneers somewhere in 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 China who are experimenting with new... Um, Traction system. So we don't, we don't know, um, where, you know, where, and basically what, what I'm saying is essentially everyone, I think, can be very inspirational. And, and I think the, the important thing is, and, and, and the important advice for me was always not, not aspiring to be like someone else, um, because every person has to find their own way. And you have to, the best thing you can do is to believe in yourself and and to stick to who you are you know to to be true to what you think and feel and value and to follow those instincts and then you can take inspiration from a lot of different amazing people out there a lot of them not famous um and 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 i think this is um this for me was always the the key it's about being 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 true to who you are and not trying to be something or someone else um, in, in in trying to find your own way.
1: Here we go. Nice one. Yeah. So even though we are, we are trying to invite these hidden figures, right? These, these hidden innovators, obviously, to this podcast. Here we go. We make them hopefully somehow <laughs> accessible. So um, you know, working in, in corporate is especially in Siemens. No, actually, in large corporates is always crazy. I think it's super crazy. It's a super fascinating. You have this, you know, this this super network, experts, colleagues. You know, she and he all around the world, um, and getting engaged, getting challenges, but it's also super tricky, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, what <laughs> kind of tips would you give young? young the younger folks out there right who's uh, like yeah, i want to make a difference I, yeah. I i i i catch i catch the ball and say so, like that makes sense um you know what would you recommend them um, you know is there anything you would have back in the days you know on, as a student yeah. level or early professional, you, you would love to hear prior yeah. uh, you should have talked me uh, told me that prior guys <laughs> right um any any tips tips
0: yeah so i always like to say working at a large corporation is kind of a neat combination of uh, Game of Thrones, House of Cars and The Office, you know, if you throw those three together, that's
3: kind of, um, <laughs> exactly, that's kind of my, uh, my exactly daily my life. life. <laughs> um,
0: what, I, what I try to do and what I try to live with my teams and also which I think is, is the best mentality and which I would give as advice to anyone, it's play to win. Yeah. Um, don't play not to lose. It's about playing to win, um, because the things we are working on, frankly, we can't afford to lose. Yeah, they are too important. Um, when it comes to developing new technologies um, that that are going to move the world forward, we have to play to win. And by that, I mean um, don't be afraid of the political shenanigans that may happen. Of you know. All these alignments that are needed, and who says what, and who thinks what, and who stands to gain, and you know, there is just, as you said, so many discussions in a complex environment like Siemens that mm. can detract from what you are actually trying to do. Mm. And so, for me, it's all about trying to win, yeah. Mm. And I think this is really freeing um, because I am fundamentally convinced that what we are working on is right. And it's necessary. yeah. And if someone wants to tell me differently, they're welcome to. But I'm mm-hmm. still going to try with everything that I have to move the topics that I believe are right forward. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Because I think I, we owe it to our employees. We owe it to the company. We owe it to our children to have that kind of
2: attitude. Wow. What a beautiful ending to this um, episode. Anna Marie, thanks so much for being, um, for being you, for being so open, for being on the show, for sharing so much. It was, um, I learned a lot and, um, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, we always have a little ritual, a little game at the end uh, of each episode. Um, it's a game that we want to play with you. It's called Authentic Autocomplete. And for the closing, I will give you a couple of sentence starters and you will just finish. Anna Marie, are you ready? All right, and I, I, you know, I did not
0: look at the questions beforehand. So
3: whatever you
0: get now, as promised, is is really
2: Freudian, unfiltered, authentic, right? So let's start with an easy one. Siemens is an amazing company.
1: That was an easy one. That was an easy one, wasn't it? So
2: technology with purpose is why i get out of the morning uh, out of bed in the morning every day wow the best advice i was ever given was claim to win
1: there you go consistent mm. consistent <laughs>
2: <laughs> now it's now it's getting more difficult if i could change one thing in the world immediately it would be
0: this fundamental inequality that we see between the developed and the developing world. I know it's not an easy one, but
2: I like mm. that. And last but not least, the next big thing at Siemens will be
0: decarbonization
2: as a service.
1: There we go. Love it. That should 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 do the job then for the next 10 years. Hey, go. Anuri, thanks so much for, you know, spending this time uh, with us and being so open, being so passionate, being so honest, um, you know, sharing um, and sharing your views a bit on the world of technology, craziness, but also AI and machine learning. Uh, I, I'm super excited, um, you know, about, about our conversation here. And so thanks so much for being there.
0: Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it very much.
1: And folks out there, stay tuned. There's a bit more to come. Uh, so we have now a challenge, I guess, for Marie. right? We, we need to get more innovative folks, right, and hidden figures, um, you know, which change, you know, the, the future um, to be included in here. So stay bold, committed, open-minded, and we hear here at the next Siemens AR Lab podcast. Cheers. <music>